Wow. It is a joy to be ministered to by the Holy Spirit when we come together as a church body. And I love being able to share the Word of God with you as Pastor Kevin and Sherry are still enjoying their uh, vacation time. And so when you remember them, just, just speak a blessing on them and speak life over them. How many want your pastors to be absolutely happy and joyful and rested and yes. So pray those things for their life. And uh, we're excited to see them when they come back. And Pastor Mark and Rhonda are gone as well this weekend. So just remember them, pray for them. The Bible says pray for your leaders, that it might go well with them. There's no blessing for you if it goes bad for your leaders. The Bible's pretty clear on that. So spend time remembering those who God has put into your life because the better it goes for them, the better it goes for you. It's very simple, but it's straightforward. Amen. Well, we're going to continue our series on the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is so important that the first thing Jesus said when he started his ministry was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom's here. So when we come to church, we are entering in and learning to grow in the kingdom of God. This is a literal kingdom where Jesus is the king and we are his subjects, his royal divine family that operates in a kingdom. We are also citizens of that kingdom. We are, some of you are citizens of this country, Canada. I'm a citizen of the United States. So we have citizenship on this earth, but by faith, you get adopted in and you become citizens of heaven as well. Before I share the second part of my message that I started last week, there's two uh, prophetic encouragements that I want to give you before we start. So if this is you, everyone put your spiritual ears on. Okay, just tie them on. Get your spiritual heart ready. Here's the first one. Stop trying to provide for yourself. Stop trying to provide for yourself. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Matthew 6, 33. God will provide for you. The scripture said you can work hard to provide and help other people, but who's going to take care of you? Your father. In the kingdom, we, we don't serve to earn because we already have provision from the father. We serve to learn. We serve because it's fun, because it's a, it's a joy. But we don't serve to earn. God is our provider. Right, Connie? Number two, second thing, your debt has already been paid. This, I don't know who this is for. You got to listen. Put your ears on in your heart. Your debt has already been paid. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. This is Colossians chapter 2, 13 through 15. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. That's good news. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So here's the instruction. Some of you need to stop going up to the cross, climbing up on the ladder, getting some papers down of all your nasty sins, 
You're getting them off the cross. You're carrying them over to, the, to God and saying, see, God, here's my stuff. I'm, uh, I'm such a bad person, and I just want to tell you all about it and these nasty sins, and I keep doing this stuff. You need to stop going up on the cross and tearing off the paper of your sin that God has already died for. You're going backwards. You're taking these things and showing God and saying, see, God, this is my true identity. It's this nasty stuff. When I make mistakes, when I sin, when I miss the mark, here it is, God, here it is. Do you don't think he already knows about all this stuff? And here we are pushing it in his face. Do you think he wants that in his face? you think he wants sin in his presence? you think sin is allowed in his presence? No. So stop taking something that is already taken care of back to God. Would you leave your sins where they belong? Or are you going to keep climbing up there and getting them off the cross for him? Would you let your father do for you what you can't do for yourself? It's called grace. It's called the gospel. Either we're going to do it ourselves, which is a man-made religion, or we're going to let the Father do it through, through Jesus Christ and have faith. Humble, humble yourself before the Lord. When you blow it, admit it. Confess your sins one to another, the Bible says. But here's the deal. Leave your garbage at the dump. Don't be taking your garbage home with you. That nasty thing dripping dirt and coffee grinds and whatever rotten food you got in there, and you're just carrying around, you carry it to your work. Oh, yeah, these are my sins. You know, I'm really a bad, yeah, I messed up all the time. Don't take your garbage from the dump. Leave your garbage at the dump. Your garbage deserves to be left at the cross. It's the only place where there's power to take care of it. So leave your garbage at the dump. Stop climbing up on the cross Showing, grabbing those papers and showing Jesus all the stuff you've done. He already knows. Confess your sin. Humble yourself. Repent. But don't take it with you. All right. Now, here we go. So we're going into the servant-based leadership. It's a kingdom principle. Here's the first key when we're going into servant-based leadership. We start on the servant's road. It's a road. It's a walkway. It's a lifestyle. We start on the servant's road from the father's house. You start as a servant from your father's house. You don't just start serving out in the field. You don't come as a hired hand and work for God. No. You start from the father's house. There's three tables. There's a slave table. There's a servant's table, and there's the son's table. And when I say sons, I mean sons and daughters. Servants, I mean, sorry, slaves, I have to. Servants, I get paid to. Sons, I get to. Three tables. Which one are you eating at? We talked about this last week. But to, get, to, to be a, an amazing servant of God, you first get to become an amazing son or daughter of God. So when you leave the house, you're leaving the father's house to serve. Your identity is not a servant. Your identity is a son or daughter. And then you freely serve. So our service-based leadership is rooted in our sonship position as sons and daughters of God. 
Not our titles, not our family background, not our finances. That's not where we get our identity. Our identity is from our adoption as children of God. So how do we become sons and daughters of God? That's the simple part. This is the basics part. The Bible says you must repent and believe. So you don't do it your way. You repent, you change your mind and say, I'm not going to do it, for my, my example, Mark's old way. I'm going to do it the Jesus way. I'm going to read the Bible. Whatever Jesus did by faith, he's going to ask me to kind of model or copy that in the 21st century. When we ask Jesus by faith into our heart. That's where it starts. If you have never asked Jesus Christ in your heart, that's where it starts. Repent and say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to do it your way from now on. You are the Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. You are the new king. I'm going to be the follower. That's where it starts. See, in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame and in love. He predestined us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ himself according to his good pleasure, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. See, he adopted you. He chose you. You didn't go out and choose him. He's been knocking at your heart this whole time, and you just finally saying, okay, yes, I surrender. White flag, get the white flag up, and just wave it, wave it. Let him come and set up shop in your heart. See, some of us believe our ability to impact the world for the kingdom of God depends on where we came from with our natural families and how well our moms and dads raised us. Well, how many know there's no perfect parents allowed? As good as they are or as bad as they are, there's no perfect parents allowed. So your level of servant-based leadership does not depend on how well your natural father and mother raised you. Your level of excellence in servant-based leadership depends on the level of how much you allowed the Heavenly Father to raise you. Who is raising you? Your level of servant-based leadership is not based on how well your father and mother did in the natural. The level of excellence in your servant-based leadership depends on how much you're allowing your Heavenly Father to raise you. So that's called hope. That means because every one of you has access to a Heavenly Father. It's not based now on your natural parents. It's based on your Heavenly Father. So some of you have felt like orphans. Some of you have felt left out. Some of you have felt like you're on the curb with no hope. Begging for a morsel. That's the slave table. The servant said, well, maybe I'll work harder and I'll finally get it. But I'm inviting you home to sit here and say, I've been adopted. Of all the children in the world, the father called on my name and he called me. He called me home. And he gave me a home and he gave me a clothes on my back and he gave me a ring on my finger and he slaughtered the, 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 the fattened calf and he told the whole place to have a party because I'm home. I was once lost, but now I've been found. And it feels good, and it feels right. It feels like home. Once you get there, that's when you go back and say, now I'm ready to serve. You see, people know where you're from by how you act. 
When people watch you, they know where you're from. I remember when I first moved to Canada, you could tell Canadians versus Americans just by looking at them. You can tell looking at European people that they're, when they're different than Canadians and when they're different than Americans just by watching and just by looking. Sometimes it's the clothes. Sometimes it's the makeup. Sometimes, obviously, it's their, their, their language. So here's the deal. People ought to know that you are from heaven and your citizenship lies within heaven. Do they experience the culture of heaven when they're around you? See, a servant of heaven carries the reality of their citizenship in their heart. So everywhere you go, it's a little bit of heaven. Everywhere you go, it's a little bit of heaven. When you're serving outside the church, it's a little bit of heaven for whoever you're serving. It's not a little bit of complaining. It's not a little bit of, oh, it must be nice. It's not a little bit of this or that. It's a little bit of heaven. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Philippians 3.20. So here we are now, sons and daughters of the king, under the king's blessing, under his covering, under his provision. So now we go out and serve. And last week I told you three things. When you go out and serve, you got a fat wallet. That means you've got provision. You got a full tool belt. All the tools are ready, like a carpenter. And three, you got to get your lunch, your cooler full of sandwiches. Big cooler, lots of sandwiches, okay? You've got a fat wallet, your tool belt's full, and you got a big cooler. See, when we go out to serve, we don't go out as beggars. We don't go out as the poor. We don't go out as, oh, man, I hope God comes through. That's not a culture of heaven. Culture of heaven comes in going, yes, we can help. Yes, we'll find a way. Uh, yes, we have uh, solutions. Yes, we'll help someone finance it. You, you can say yes a lot when you're a child of God. Because it's not according to your riches. It's according to whose? His riches in Christ Jesus. Whose wallet are you using as a servant? It's so much more fun when it's your dad's. Ever been to a restaurant with your dad? One time it was my mother's, uh, she retired. We went to the nicest restaurant in our region, like on the 15th floor, overlooking Lake Coeur d'Alene. Had all these beautiful, you know, rack of elk and all this fancy food came out. And the bill came out, and we never talked about dividing the bill. So my dad looked at it, and he uncomfortably said yes or whatever. (laughs) Well, that was funny, for not for him. And we all kind of looked at each other awkwardly because we hadn't talked about it. So he signed it real quick, and it came up a little bit later. And we, we all were sending dad money. It's funny. But our dad in heaven, he doesn't need a loan. He's not asking you because he's poor. He's asking you because he wants to know if he can trust you. Does he need your car? Does he need something from you to help somebody else? As a servant, you don't have to worry about it, right? As a servant of God, you can just say yes. Because you're not responsible for the direct creation of the provision. God is. He's got it on loan to you. And he wants to know if he can trust you with it. I remember the first time I had a $1,000 gift gave to me about 25 years ago. I didn't pass the test. I think it was spent in about 14 days. 
And it wasn't on immoral things. It was on very moral things. We were celebrating my wife's birthday and everything. But I think at the end of the two weeks, I looked at myself, I looked at God, I looked at my wife, and I said, eh, I didn't pass the test. God uses money as a tool to work in our hearts. It's never about the money. It's about training. As Pastor Barry says, training for reigning. We're bringing the culture of heaven down here. So here are four, uh, here's a key for today's message. When I was preparing the message, one key thing is that God wants to give you access and authority through servanthood. And here are some of the things that God wants to give you access and authority. Number one, he wants you to have access to wisdom. That means he's going to give you power over stupidity. Have you ever been around stupidity? Sometimes, unfortunately, it's right inside me. I don't mean to be a negative confessor there, but what I'm saying in my flesh, I can do stupid things. But when we have Jesus with us and we're serving with his wisdom, we can overcome that. Second thing is we have access to healing, which is power over sickness. As a servant of God, when you enter an organization, bring healing with you and release it when someone needs help. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Three, you have access to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which means you have power over evil spirits. As a servant of God, you can shut down demonic activity that's in your realm of authority. So if it's in your house, if it's in your workplace, if it's in your car, if it's at your church, you shut it down because God placed you there. You have authority there. And you pray in Jesus' name and according to his authority and his covenant and his blood that those foul, ugly, uh, demonic spirits would shut their mouths, would be, would be blocked, would be cursed, and would be outside of your area of authority and not return. And speak with clear authority in Jesus' name. There was a guy one time that came into my office about 20-some years ago, and his girlfriend brought him. And he was he's this big, huge football-sized guy and his girlfriend said, he's talking in the third person all the time. I think he's got a problem. And he squinted his eyes at me and said, I don't believe in God. You're liars. Why am I here? And I was like, oh, man, if this guy's going to get me, he's going to get me good. Because I was like on the second story and I had the big window. I could just see him picking me up and just like a football. Just I started praying under my breath. I said, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I said, Holy Spirit. I said, Jesus, you know, I've read the scriptures when the seven sons of Sceva tried to come out against a demon and they ran out naked in the streets, I said, I don't want to be that pastor that gets running down the street naked because I took on a demonic guy. And we don't want it here either in Belleville. No. We want to be in our right minds. So I started praying, Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus, in the blood of Jesus. This is all quietly under my breath. And, and, and the girlfriend says, well, don't, remember you used to believe in God and all this. And, and all of a sudden his eyes blinked like this. He kind of woke up. And I, I came over to him slowly, put my hand on his, I said, is it okay if we pray and ask Jesus to come in and, and help you and save you? He goes, yeah. And so we prayed in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, this demon thing came out of him. I got a garbage can and he shot that stuff into the garbage. And then it was all peace just filled the whole room. And this big muscle guy just smiled like this, like he was like a t baby. And he just smiled at me and tears came down his eyes. And he just got up and said, 
thank you. And he, he got him a Bible. His girlfriend said, thank you. And he just walked out like he was on a cloud. And I'm this young pastor, not even knowing. I just knew that you had to stick with Jesus and call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved, not by Mark's strength, but by Jesus. You have the same authority. Go in Jesus' name. Fourth, we have access to Christ's riches, which means we have power over a scarcity mentality. We don't say, this is the land of never enough, the slaves. This is the servant's land of hiring, there's just enough. And then over here, of course, as a son or daughter, there's always more than enough. So we want to stay over here, right? And when, you're, when your cheeks slip off the seats, you just repent and say, you're right. Go back. Say, no, Father, I I trust you. This month, there's going to be more than enough. And teach me how to multiply and to grow so that I have more than enough. I can even help other people. That was a chair one. So here's my question as we begin to wrap up here. What are we going to do with all this freedom? What are we going to do with all this access? What are we going to do with all this power? That's the question for the Christian, because otherwise he would just take us and rapture us to heaven the immediate time you accept Christ. But instead, you're here. So what are we going to do about it? When you live from chair one, table one, and you're feasting, and there's more than enough, what are you going to do? For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, Galatians chapter 5, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So what's this all about? To serve one another in love. What's your gift? What's your talent? What's your time? What's your language? What's your cooking? What's your, your job? Use it to serve one another in love. This is like mission 101. You can do it anywhere at any time. Once you've sat at the table as a son or daughter, we go in freedom. We don't use that freedom for the lust of the flesh or the pride of life or our own uh, ungodly pleasures. We could all do that, and it's really easy to fall into those traps. But the Bible says don't use your freedom for that. Choose Jesus and choose to love one another. So here's your homework. What is one place or one organization outside the church, everyone say outside the church, that you will serve in this year? See, this is only real if we do it. All of us should have one place that we're serving. And if you're home all the time with five kids running around crazy, don't worry, don't feel judged. You just keep serving all those children and loving on them. This is not a guilt trip. This is an invitation to serve. All of you should have at least one place outside the church. You volunteer here once, but you love to volunteer out there. And when you get there, you arrive with no agenda. We talked about that last week. Never arrive with an agenda in the community. You ask the five-word question, how can I help you? No agenda, how can I help you? That's all you say, and the next step is to listen fourth step is to do it. If you build a bridge of trust by actually doing what you said, they will begin to trust you, give you more access to love them even deeper. And by them, I mean their organization or whatever they're putting their hands to. I was like, what if, I, what if it was this simple? What if I picked up two pieces of garbage every day in the city of Belleville for a year? That's like over 700 pieces of garbage I'd pick up in a year. 
well, probably almost a garbage bag. Then I multiplied that by 100 families at Desert Stream. Like, this is not rocket science of how simple we can serve our city. But it, the more consistent you are in your service, the more deeper the impact it'll go. And when you're serving, I just want to end with this. When you serve, don't go in your own strength. Like I told you that story. Make sure to pray and go in the Holy Spirit. Before I go into the schools, I remember meeting with Pastor Barry, and we sometimes you pray in the phone. Sometimes we would pray in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Sometimes you pray in English. Pray before you go. Before you go in those doors, you say, Father, I am a son or daughter of God. I have a fat wallet. I have a full tool belt. My lunch is packed. I have the wisdom of God. I have the kindness of God, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And now I'm able to go in freely without an agenda and help these people. And let the Holy Spirit come and fill you and do what only he can do. Amen? I remember praying for two years, or two years ago we were praying, and I can't remember who, if it was Pastor Ray, he said, ask God for mercy on something on your heart. And I prayed out, I said, God, send mercy on our public schools. I, I cried out, it was one of our prayer meetings, maybe a Tuesday night prayer, I said, God, have mercy on our public schools. It was in my heart. You ever get a prayer that's deep in there and you want an answer? And God said, quickly, immediately, he said, I already did. I sent you. I was like, oh. I was asking for, the, you know, do a divine thing, a mighty work of God out in the city. And he said, I already sent you. You are my gift of mercy to the schools. See how it, he flips it? We are the message. We, our life is where it's at. Don't look to somebody else. He's going to do it inside of you and take you places. Amen? Amen. So, yeah, that's where I volunteer at, at the public schools. And I, that's why I volunteered without an agenda. I came to serve. And over time, the promotions and the impact increase because of building bridges of trust and faithfulness. How many know this is not a microwave thing? This is a slow roast turkey. How many love the slow roast turkey? You don't, I remember when Desi told me, he goes, you never microwave a turkey for Thanksgiving. I said, that's right. And he was trying to teach me something. You don't microwave turkey. You slow roast it. It's the kingdom of God. Let him slow roast this baby to perfection, golden brown, with all the turkey trimmings, the gravy. Wouldn't that be a better story to show up like that? Amen. Can you stand with me? Let's pray. Let's believe that God's going to give you that one area of service this year. And I hope by September you've activated this. It might take a few weeks. You might have to call a few people, fill out some forms. But each one of you should be serving somewhere. Not as a heavy-handed thing, but as a gift. Come with a smile. Don't get out of your car unless you've got a smile on. Believe me, that organization does not need a negative person in their building. Check your attitude before you get out of the car. And if you need help, just call on Jesus until that, that frown flips upside down. It's not worth it going in there without a smile. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day that you have made. And we are believing that you're going to give visions and dreams and ideas, creative solutions to this church and those who are watching online, that they know where to serve, how to serve, when to serve, and, and what organization, what people are they called to outside the church? I pray you would release it into their hearts right now. Revelation, 
in the name of Jesus for every person, every age group. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for joining us. And make sure to get your uh, paper as you leave and meet Nikki in the back if you want to register for Realm and get your free gift. Have a great day.